Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, I've got a real busy one for you today. Lots of guests joining me. Uh, a little bit later on in the hour, I've got Melanie Pichet joining me. She is a broker at Sage Real Estate. And we're going to be talking about the latest ruling against Treb. That's right, folks. You're going to get the information you've all been waiting for. Also, later in the hour, Mr. Benjamin Tall, Deputy Chief Economist at CIBC, is going to be joining me. Always a pleasure to have Mr. Tall on. Uh, definitely, he is one of the greatest people in the world to talk about economies. And he's been on the show several times. And always a pleasure to have have him join me and uh, shortly I'm gonna have Dave Butler join me from Butler Mortgage Dave is just that real voice of reason and tells it how it is so it's always good to have Dave join me um, been a real busy week though I got to tell you um, fortunately I've been uh, been brought in on lots of topics and you know what's going on with Treb and how about Airbnb I was on with Jerry Agar yesterday and the new ruling from Toronto City Council. Can you believe it? Is it possible that people could turn around and just say, or, or the government, give me your keys, we're going to control your home, you don't have a say anymore? Well, that's pretty much how they voted. In fact, the idea that you could rent your basement apartment out. Now remember, this is you living above, you've got a basement apartment, they don't want you doing that. They don't want you renting it out through Airbnb. You don't you don't get to make a little bit of extra cash to help, I don't know, maybe pay your life expenses or your mortgage. Nope. What they want you to do is make sure you give it to a worthy tenant for long term. In fact, that's some of the language they were using. They want long term, not short term. And after all, nobody needs a short-term rental. Um, last time I checked, the builders aren't delivering everything on time. You sell your place, you got to move out, you got to live somewhere. No, you can't have a short-term rental because that's not fair to the people looking for the long-term stuff. But how about this for a turn of events? If you've got a tenant that signed a long-term lease in your basement apartment, you know what they can do? They can rent it on Airbnb. Now, if that isn't just a kick in the teeth, so let's get this straight. You've got a tenant that rents your basement apartment for $1,200, and they've got a cottage they're going to you know, go up to, uh, their parents or whatever, on the weekends, and they say, hey, I'm going to rent out my rental basement apartment on the weekends, and I'm going to pay for my own rent. That is the ruling that these geniuses came up with. And I'm sorry, but you know, I get everybody's concern. I mean, we've got a vacancy rate less than 1%. But how about we take a step back and realize you really want to screw the taxpayers even further by doing something like this? I've got a real problem with this ruling. And it doesn't make any sense. And how about the fact that they say, okay, if you do own the primary residence, you're only allowed to rent it up out up to six months. No problem. Tell you what we'll do. Make sure you go down to your place in Florida, rent it Airbnb style, make all sorts of extra money, and when you come back, then you can turn around and do it. Now, one of the reasons why they're getting all up in arms is they're saying, well, there's the noise factor. Well, last time I checked, that's why we have the police. Second of all, they think that people are going to be using all of the services that uh, that are provided to them by the city. Well, last time I checked, we pay for our water, pay for our sewage, pay for our hydro, and don't forget, pay for our gas. Thanks, Miss Wynn. So at the end of the day, um, the owner of the property is still paying for everything. But how about the fact that 
if you don't have a family renting that basement apartment and you've got somebody, let's see, I don't know, sliding in every once in a while to go put money in the coffers of all the people that are working in Toronto, they also don't have children that are now using the schools or the hospitals. Hmm. Yeah, really, really bright move. And the reason why I'm ranting on this one today is the fact that I thought it was one of the stupidest things I have heard as of yet. And hey, don't forget... You got to get some fees out of it. Why not? If you're going to be part of a Airbnb, you got to make sure you pay an annual fee, $50. And on top of that, Airbnb is going to have to pay for the licensing, $5,000. And it goes on and on and on. Well, thanks very much. You know, quite frankly, I think they completely missed the boat on that one altogether. Now, for those of you that uh, listened to, uh, last week, we were talking about the fact that Treb, um, again, continued to get spanked in the, uh, with the Com- Competition Bureau because they must release the information. Now, they're going to be asking for a stay because they don't want to release that information. They're talking about the Privacy Act, of course, and allowing people to know what you sold your house for. Now, when, uh, when I was on with Jerry Agar, he had mentioned that he'd moved around a lot over the years and, you know, he'd come into a marketplace. And by the way, the U.S., it's already open. Uh, it's open for business. They, they, they've had this in place for a long, long time. But when he'd go into a new city, he'd turn around, go online, figure out what the whole neighborhood was selling for, and he had a better idea of what he wanted to buy or what he should be paying for a property. Didn't have to involve an agent until he was ready. But under the current status that we have in the real estate boards is that you can't get that information unless, of course, you go to City Hall, pay a fee, and get the exact address. And it's not like you could turn around and ask for an entire street for that one fee. And so now you have to involve a realtor. And by the way, for those of you that uh, can remember, I, uh, I was realtor for years. And the one thing is, is that this should not be the reason why you hire a specific realtor is the fact that they can just give you access to the MLS. But this is one of the things that they've been holding near and dear to their hearts because they figure, hey, the more we can control, the more the public need us. Well, if the only thing that you need a real estate agent for is the information, then you shouldn't hire that real estate agent. And for those of you that know me in the industry and and been listening to the show for years, I always encourage professional realtors, the people that can do the necessary marketing, the negotiation, the understanding, reading a listing and actually knowing the neighborhood because they actually know the property. They went and visited it. They understand why it sold for a certain price. Because most people, when they just look at a piece of paper, it says, oh, four bedrooms, three bathrooms, you know, finished basement, and it's got forced air gas as your, your heating source. Oh, well, my house has the same thing. It must be worth the same price. Not even close. There's no two homes that are alike unless it's an exact builder's model side by side. Everything else has a different exposure, different backyard, different upgrades. No two homes are alike. But when you encourage a professional a professional agent, I always will emphasize that, then they're going to have a better understanding of what your house is truly worth. And I think that that's where some of the added value comes in when you hire it. But just doing it on your own, I don't know. You know what? I don't necessarily agree. But on top of that, what we're going to do is see a huge onslaught of companies now offering you the information could be for free. They may throw a few advertisements your way, see if you can turn around and buy or do something with them. And the information is going to start getting filtered through a lot of these different companies. In fact, we saw a couple pop up within the first day of the ruling. And uh, I think this past week, probably 40,000 visitors to one of the websites just to find out what is going on in their neighborhood. Pretty crazy. And again, you know what, we'll wait and see what Treb does. 
in the big scheme of things, find out if they're able to get a stay and take one more run at it. But we'll wait and see. And that's uh, that's why I've got uh, one of my guests coming up in a little while, because we're going to talk about this this exact situation. Now, a bunch of other things, of course, uh, new stress test for your mortgages. Remember, um, you can buy today and close in February. As long as you've got all the paperwork worked out before January 1st, you are not going to be subject to the new stress test. But as soon as you start buying after January 1, 2018, that new stress test on mortgages uh, is going to come into play. I'm going to have Dave uh, Butler break that down uh, for us shortly because I want you to have a really good understanding about what we're facing. And of course, a lot of highlights this year. Taking a look at 2017, what a year in real estate. Uh, probably the biggest roller coaster we've seen in, I don't know, I would say decades. Um, but more importantly, so many things that were implemented in the actual marketplace. You know, uh, everything from the 16 point approach for housing fairness by the wind government, bunch of changes uh, to the uh, mortgage rules. On top of that, Bank of Canada throwing out some uh, rate increases. This is why Benjamin Tall is going to be able to, you know, enlighten us on this because there's a lot there, folks. And on top of that, um, when we take a look at the marketplace itself, you know what? I think it was kind of petering out all by itself. Did we need the government to keep stepping on our throats? I mean, you know, sooner or later, you know what? You just have to let a market be a natural market. They normally diffuse themselves over a period of time. And I'm, I'm sorry for all the buyers there that are frustrated, but right now, you're starting to see it ease up. You've got more inventory now than we've had in a long time. And despite the fact that we've got more inventory, it's still not gonna keep up pace because the government's still making it difficult for a bunch of the builders to turn around and keep building. This is one of the reasons why we saw a few of the developments this year. In fact, I think the number came up to about 1,500 units were canceled by developers that had already been pre-sold. So a lot of people, you know, they got let down. And one of the reasons for it was they said things are getting just too expensive for them to build because they're wait getting delays, they're having to wait, a ton of stuff. Now, when I, uh, when I take a look at some of the stuff in the news myself, always the headlines, careful what you read, they don't always they're not always accurate i almost think that when people sit there and say yeah the market's falling by 40 percent," everybody says oh that means my price has gone by 40 percent." normally it's volume volume of sales volume of listings you know those are the ones that really are the big numbers the numbers and dollars of cents right now you know market is fluctuating kind of you know year over year it could be down one percent could be down two percent could be up two percent you know right now we're finding this fall coming into the winter market you know it's fluctuating a lot we're not going to really know the real impact i say until march 2018. that's the big time that we're going to start knowing that was the peak and that's where people i think are going to uh to feel it the most hey what about the idea that they're thinking that mom and dad should throw out some of their RSPs into purchasing. Yep, that's one of the things under consideration. That mom and dad are going to take their RSPs and bolster the down payment for their kids. Hey, mom and dad, remember, you got to pay back your own RSPs to later take them out and pay the taxes on them. Because what are RSPs? Just a tax deferral system. Remember, you still owe the money on it. 
Well, everybody knows my take. And if you don't know my take on this as far as an investment model, make sure you uh, visit me at thesimpleinvestor.com. We've got a whole lot of new stuff planned for 2018. It's going to be a very, very exciting year for us. And uh, lots of new programs coming out. And can't wait to share them with you in the new year. But coming up right after the break, I've got Mr. Dave Butler joining me. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Um, my next guest, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, is going to be Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. You know Dave. He's um, he's really the go-to guy for us in the mortgage world. You know, he's got a great sense of it, always on top of it, and always a pleasure to have on the show. And welcome back, Dave. Hey, Todd. How you doing? Great, thanks. So, Dave, here we are. You know, we're we're kind of wrapping up the year. You know, we're 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 floating through December now, and we're taking a look at what's happening in the market. Are you still feeling some heat in the market? I mean, obviously, there's these people that want to get their properties closed before the new rules come into play. Um, are are you still busy? We have seen a December like no other, uh, from what I can tell. The last couple of years, I mean. It would appear to me that everyone and anyone that feels these rule changes will have an effect on them is reaching out to either refinance or purchase that home that they want to get in. It's been an unbelievably active December. Wow. So, Dave, you know, just for our for our listeners' listeners' sake, you know, let's let's step backwards for a second. Why this is creating such a stir? Um, new rules coming out of OFSI are saying that we have to, you know, now have a stress test on a five-year mortgage. Can you explain what people now have to qualify at? Yeah, I mean, basically, the old rule was that if a client was putting down twenty percent down payment or more there was a little bit of a way where they could qualify on a lower rate. They could actually qualify on whatever the five-year fixed rate was. And that would allow them to buy normally a, a bigger home or refinance and get the, maybe the bigger mortgage that they're looking for. Come January 1st, any application submitted to banks after that will now have to use the stress test for that product. So basically, Nowadays, come January 1st, every single mortgage in Canada done through a, what we call an A lender uh, requires a stress test, whether it's a five-year fixed, a five-year variable, a two-year fixed, does not matter. The product now must qualify on a higher stress test, which is basically just a higher qualifying rate. So what that's going to mean come January 1st is that people will not be able to get as high of a purchase price if they were stretching out their their debt service ratios. And they may not be able to get as high of a refinance mortgage amount uh, come January 1st. And it's funny because you and I have talked for years, you know, and one of the things I, we, I always brought up a couple years ago was that nobody ever asked me what they can afford anymore. They would always ask me, what is their max? And I right. think <laughs> that yeah, us talking about that and kind of bringing it out, I mean, it's when you look at what the changes the government has done, they really, truly, you can tell, are trying to go back to figuring out what people can afford. Well, you know, this is the thing. And and when we talk about affordability, um, if you take everybody's max, now you've got to come off the ledge by about 15% 
roughly with the new rules. So somebody qualifying at 700 now has to drop to 550. I mean, it's going to be significant, especially because we've had such a run up in pricing, you know, so now we've, we're, we're kind of, it's a little counterproductive in a way. And so now when we talk about affordability, it's almost again, and, and, you know, I'm not going to say that there's a posse trying to knock the wind out of the market, but we've had a lot of changes here in 2017. Feels like in the mortgage business, we are boxers and we're just taking punch after punch after punch this year. Um, because, yes, I mean, we've seen this year's been significant in terms of changes. Uh, this, this obviously, this rule change is one that now there really is no, you know, quote unquote loophole to qualify for a smaller rate. Um, and we also were hit with some rate changes this year. You know, we obviously saw prime rate go up a half a point, we saw the fixed rate start to go up accordingly. Uh, the only good news on that is I'd say that rates have uh, solidified a little bit. We have not seen any fixed rate increases. And, of course, as we know, the Bank of Canada in their last meeting of this year did not increase the prime rate. So that's, I guess, some good news for us moving forward. But, yes, I mean, to your point, it does feel like we are in a boxing ring and we are taking punch after punch and seeing if we can survive. You know, one of the things, Dave, you and I talk about all the time, obviously, is affordability rates and everything else. And, you know, every year we expect rates to kind of inch up right about this time of year and, of course, drop it a little bit in the spring when the market gets hot. Do you think we're going to see some of these banks kind of get off their uh, get off their pile of money and actually give a little deeper discounts to start encouraging people to come back in the market? I think there, I think that's the hope. I mean, I, I think a lot of it, truthfully, and this is just... My personal thoughts on this, I think that we, if we are going to see something like that, it may not happen until March or April, and simply because I do believe the banks are still going to be very, very, very busy come January, February, but a lot of that is just going to be closing a lot of the applications that were submitted before the rule change. So the idea is that with this January 1st rule change, the, the rule effectively is that as long as a mortgage broker or a bank submits the client's application before January 1st, regardless of whether it's closing in January, February, March, that they are able to now still qualify under the old rules. The issue, of course, moving forward is that with the banks and even with any person in the mortgage business, when you are very busy in January, February from closing all those other deals, it's going to be very hard to notice what's going on with the new business. I mean, the idea is that the banks are still going to be very busy. We're still going to be very busy. And that's really just going to be a lot of closing the swell of business that's come in there in November and December. The true mark, I believe, will be in March or April when the banks possibly see what impact this has really had. And if it has had the impact that you and I think it's going to have, then yes, my hope, and I think everybody's hope, is that we may see a little bit of easing on the interest rate. Yeah. Well, you know, here's here's the thing. And, and again, you're talking about the cycle, and I'm glad that you are, because what a lot of people probably aren't aware of is that if you've purchased a property, let's say you go out and buy it tomorrow, you get your broker like yourself to set up the mortgage, you get everything signed, sealed, and delivered, and you can close in February, you still are taking advantage of the current structure. But it's all applications that are made after January 1st, 2018, correct? Correct. So basically, your application is coming in, let's say, in January. A lot of that's going to be for deals that are closing in, say, you know, March or April. Uh, so really what you're seeing right now is this swell of files that have come in of clients wanting to beat this rule change. There's going to be a lot of business still that the banks will be closing in, in January, February. And so, you know, I, just knowing how kind of the bank sector works on the mortgage side, 
I feel like it's very possible that these people at the banks will think that they're still doing very well come January, February. But the truth is, that's just because they're closing a lot of the deals prior to the rules. Yeah, that that sounds like old business. So, yeah. Dave, one other one other thing, um, you know, a, a little bit of fear, I guess, in the marketplace that the credit unions who are not going to utilize the same rules, perhaps, that you might be able to get your um, your they don't require the stress test. Are we going to see a little bit of more of that pop up in 2018? hoping i mean you know i think everyone's on the same page here and that we want canadians to be able to have the options uh with respect to real estate i mean we've seen the prices going up we know that it's a little harder to qualify so it kind of feels like a slap in the face that they're now making it a lot harder for us to qualify um but with the credit unions with with what with what point you're making uh they do fall under a different set of guidelines and so it's interesting to see if they'll be following suit or not uh, traditionally in the past, when the government has kind of imposed some rule changes on banks, uh, the banks have obviously had to make the changes, and then we've seen the credit unions kind of hold back, hold back, hold back for as long as they can, and then eventually we see them kind of follow suit. Uh, but the idea is certainly that I think you and I can both agree, if the credit unions are going to be still allowing the old qualifying rates, I have a feeling it means there could be a lot more demand for their products. And hopefully with the credit unions, if they get themselves out there a bit more uh, within the public, within the mortgage broker sector, uh, that there could be a real run-up on, on using their services. Uh, but obviously the issue really that I find with the credit unions, I'm sure you find the same thing, is that they're not as out there as the banks. They're not as accessible to brokers as the big banks are. And so that makes it a little tougher overall. Yeah, excellent. Listen, Dave, it's uh, always a pleasure to chat with you and uh, definitely we'll have to connect in the new year. And uh, just like to wish you uh, and your family all the best for the holidays. Thank you very much. And to your listeners as well, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and uh, looking forward to some more updates in the new year, Todd. Excellent. Thanks so much, Dave. Folks, that was Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. And coming up, I've got Melanie Pichet talking to me about the latest ruling with Treb. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I said just before the break, uh, my next guest is uh, Melanie Pichet, and she is a broker at Sage Real Estate Limited. And um, we're going to be talking today about the latest ruling, which we talked about last week, that uh, Treb finally has to uh, take the handcuffs off and actually uh, release information on sales. And welcome to the show, Melanie. Hi, thank you. So, um, first, first and foremost, uh, maybe you can tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself. Uh, I understand you've been in the business for a long time and um, and and very active. Yeah, I run a uh, the Brawl team with my husband. We're a team of twelve agents working central Toronto, and uh, we are buying and selling. I mean, the typical real estate stuff. <laughs> so, you know, a lot in the news, obviously, in the last little while regarding um, the TREB ruling that has now come down about information. Now, but this has been in, this has been in play for quite a few years. There's been a lot of fighting going back and forth. And, and of course, uh, we're talking about the Competition Bureau uh, saying that, you know, TREB finally has to re- let people have access to the information without tying that to an agent. But it almost sounds a little counterproductive, you being an agent. And, you know, I've had a lot of agents kind of reach out to me saying, hey, Todd, this is this is our information. We own it. You know, we've got to keep everything private. Um, but yet, you've you've got a completely different take on it. Yeah, I'm I'm certainly one of the people who thinks that you know the public should have a right to more information, and I'm not alone. I mean, there are a lot of realtors who recognize that in any other industry out there, a data is public. I mean, that's what people expect nowadays. 
Well, the the biggest thing is, and and you know, one of the things that uh, if you ever tune into the show, um, I am a huge um, person to to tell people that you need to work with a, a um, professional realtors at all times. Okay, I, I I'm a big believer in experience, effort, you know, marketing, negotiation. People that have been in the industry for for a very long time, people know that I've been at it for 25 years. One of the biggest thing that um, I've always believed is that you should be able to give knowledge, but yet we find that especially going through the recent market of 2017, a lot of agents, the only thing that they had to offer people was really the inside information on the real estate systems. Well, and I think the the analysis and the interpretation of that data, I think, is the value that we bring as realtors. It's not just giving a sold price. I mean, I think if that's the value that somebody brings to the table, they shouldn't be in the business. So for your for yourself, um, do you think that we're going to see a lot of companies? I mean, we've already seen a couple pop up that are starting to release information. You know, some some of these uh, some of these websites have actually had about forty thousand hits with people trying to find mm-hmm. out information on sales. Do you think we're going to see this? I mean, some people are kind of sitting on the fence because they know that Treb wants to fight it a little, and you know, if they they may get a stay in the action. So, what do you think? Are, are we do we have to kind of wait to make sure that uh, uh, you know, the final the final nail goes in their coffin, or is it going to be that this could get reversed? I mean, I think there are a lot of companies waiting for this ruling to, to take place, and, you know, everyone's kind of waiting now to see if there's going to be an appeal. Uh, I was one of the people who used to send out sold information uh, until I got shut down a couple of years ago. So I think there's a lot of nervousness with realtors about going against the real estate board's position right now. So I certainly won't be starting that up again until we've got the full go-ahead. But to me, that's the opportunity is for us to control the sharing of the information rather than having outside companies come in and do it. And that's exactly what happened in the U.S. And I think that's what we're going to see happen here. Well, you know, as as I mentioned, there's a couple of websites that just uh, absolutely went through the roof within the last week. You yeah. know, the number of hits that they've had is is you know astronomical. I almost think that um, you know people may eventually you know kind of step back off the ledge once they've been able to do it. Then they'll, I think they'll start realizing the true value of what I would call or term the professional agent, as you said, mm-hmm. being able to understand the information, not just turn around and provide it. But there's a lot more services um, that agents can offer and especially when you're analyzing let's say a listing when uh, when you when you sit down with somebody and, and and let's just talk about yourself as a professional in the industry mm-hmm. when you sit down with somebody and you you look at pricing houses you know one of the things I always had experience was everybody turns around and they said yeah well my house is nicer than that so my house <laughs> should be worth more when you analyze it how, how do you take your clients through those steps because those are kind of the important ones for people understanding how, you know, where do you get value from well, I think, you know, being aware of, of the, having been in the actual houses makes a big difference, right? It's one thing to look at, you know, my neighbor sold down the street, so I must be worth the same as them. Um, but actually knowing what those houses look like on the inside, I mean, there's a lot that goes into figuring out what a price, what the right price is. I mean, 90% of people think their house is the best house on the street. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's of course. the way. Before we meet with someone who's thinking of selling, we send kind of a, a questionnaire out just so we know where their heads are at. And we ask them, how does your house compare to everybody else around you? Everybody thinks their house is a 9 out of 10. <laughs> and that it's better than 90% of them out there. So our job is being able to interpret the differences, being able to put value on things like parking and finished basements and different lot sizes. And you're not getting that just from a piece of sold data. 
I mean, there's so much more that goes into that, as well as knowing what's happening in the market at that specific time. I mean, listing a house this week is different than listing a house last month, and it's certainly going to be different next month. And having that ability to know, you know, what the buyers are feeling and seeing and doing at that particular time is the critical piece to being able to price a house properly. See, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Now, let's talk about the spring market and what we faced in 2016. You know, a very, very unusual market, one that we haven't seen. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't even say the 89.90 run-up was even close because it happened so quickly. Mm-hmm. And when we take a look at the stats coming from January through to April, um, you know, and, 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 and they really, you know, I would I would agree with some people's comments when they said, you know, you didn't need to do much. You needed just to underprice the house and the market will find itself um you know that was that was not even i don't think the information i don't think the skill set was necessary in a market like that um i think that in today's market now that we've seen it soften up and you don't nearly have the same aggression then this is where again people like yourself professionals are going to rise to the top but you know if you if you can share with us back in the spring market it must have been crazy for you at some points because you're you're being faced down with 20 30 40 offers and this is where actually your skill set on on how how to be fair with everybody but yet get the best price for your for your uh, seller is the most important thing Absolutely. I mean, I think even in, in that crazy spring market, I mean, yes, any house could sell. Absolutely. Didn't need a photo, didn't need anything. You didn't have to do anything, it would sell. But, but getting the highest price did take a lot of skill and, and staging and marketing and, and strategy on how to get that highest price. So I would argue that, you know, that, that professional skill set was really important back then. Now, of course, it's more important because you can't just put a house sign on the lawn and expect your house to sell. And for those of us, you know, we've got a full-time staging team in-house. We've got a staging warehouse. I mean, those kinds of things really make a difference now. And it's not necessarily just money, but it's the difference between selling a house and not selling a house. So I think for those of us who've always taken it very seriously and looked at marketing beyond the MLS, I mean, this is really when we're going to see our skills that are actually appreciated by our clients. Well, especially you know we've we've got we're we're facing uh, 2018 with again a new obstacle being the mortgage rules with the stress test. You know they're predicting that we're going to see a bit of a hit to the market. Um, right now we're we're still kind of recovering from everything that's been implemented in 2017. You know the the 16 mm-hmm. point approach by the Wynn government, of course, was uh, you know oh such a welcome thing. Uh, <laughs> and then of course you know uh, a little bit of a blip up in in interest rates. Of course uh, they got rid of the incentive. So I think that um, 2018 is going to be an interesting year. What, what's your take on it? Are we still going to see some hot market, or are we going to see it start to kind of normalize? I mean, we're certainly seeing that balancing happening right now. I don't love the, the stats that came out this week about the number of active listings. I don't know if you had a look at them, but last year in November, there were, I think it was 8,600 active listings. This November, 18,000. Right. Like that's a huge number of properties for a market to absorb. So I think we are going to see, you know, a slowdown like we normally see in January and February. Um, but that much more just because there's a lot of listings to absorb. And what we're seeing that the sellers on the market now are different than the ones that were on the market in May and June when we had a crazy amount of listings. Back then, everyone was trying to cash in and, you know, took a chance and, to see if they could sell it or not. Now we've got real sellers who need to sell. So, you know, price is going to come down a little bit in January and February. I expect they will. 
Okay. Well, um, Melanie, what is the uh, what is the best way for our listeners to reach you? Our website is getwhatyouwant.ca, and that's uh, the easiest way to get in touch with us. Excellent. Well, listen, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today, and I greatly appreciate all your insight. All right. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Thanks. And folks, that was Melanie Pichet, and she is the broker at Sage Real Estate. When we come back, stay with us. We've got Mr. Benjamin Tall joining us, so we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Um, as I had mentioned just before we went to the break, um, my next guest, uh, you're very familiar with this gentleman if you have uh, have been following what's going on in the markets, both financial and real estate. It is Mr. Benjamin Tallin. He is Deputy Chief Economist at CIBC. And welcome back to the show, Mr. Tall. Thank you. A pleasure. Um, it's always a pleasure to have you on, sir. And, you know, one of the things I was hoping that you and I could do today is actually do a little bit of a recap for 2017 because we saw so many events in the real estate market, almost an unprecedented year um, when we when we look back at it. Everything from the market kind of having an incredible blip through the spring, the provincial government implementing a 16-point approach to try to cool the real estate market, Bank of Canada raising the rate twice. Now we've got the new uh, mortgage threshold coming in for the stress test coming in in January 1st. And most recently, uh, Treb losing um, the, 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 I guess, the bout to hang on to all the information with the Competition Bureau stepping in saying, no, uh, you need to release all the information. It's been a real eventful year, uh, 2017. Absolutely. And you know what? Uh, 2016 was an extremely strong year for real estate. In fact, a crazy year something that we were unable to explain using just fundamentals. So clearly something very bad happened in 2016. So the slowdown that we are seeing now is basically undoing 2016. Nothing more than that, nothing less than that. Now, clearly, you're absolutely right that regulations are playing a significant role in trying to slow down the market. And, um, you know, the changes by the government... um, they are important. They are not the main reason why the market is slowing. First of all, I think that there is gravity. Gravity, like in Vancouver, is taking place because uh, people are starting to take profit. We have seen it uh, starting in the second quarter of 2017. Then the government introduced the 16-point program, as you mentioned. I don't think that this by itself led to a significant slowdown. I think it more what people believe it will do. It's not the actual action, but what people think the action will do. So that's exactly what we've seen in um, Vancouver. And as you know, in Vancouver, we have seen the market uh, stabilizing and, in fact, improving because when you don't deal with the real issue, which is supply, uh, you know, everything that you do is temporary at best. Uh, now, we, are, we started to see the GTA market uh, recovering, and then, of course, it's starting to slow down again because of uh, increased supply as the market expecting um, uh, the implementation of the you know, changes to uh, qualifying rates, which is a big thing. So a lot of things happening, absolutely, and there will be a lot of fog. I think that the first half of the year will be not so great. Uh, We might see prices go down. We might see activity stabilizing or going down. But again, you are not dealing with the real issue. So from a long-term perspective, uh, this place will become even less affordable. But uh, between now and then, we might see a year or two of a slowdown. And remember, there will be another recession coming that clearly will soften the market. All this is positive because what we have seen in 2016 was simply too, too crazy. 
Well, a few months ago, you and I had spoken and we talked about um, when they implemented the 16-point approach. And at that time, we, we almost thought that the market already had kind of hit its crest all by itself. And as it did in, uh, in Vancouver uh, back in May of 2016 as well, before they then put into the foreign buyer tax in August. So we actually saw the market almost ready to self-adjust but then of course we had the I call it interference in a way by the government I know I know they're trying to do something that's proactive but I think it's almost like an artificial cooling and when we talk about uh, inventory this is this has been one thing that you and I've had a you know I, I think a common sense of we just don't have enough inventory in the marketplace even though we're seeing a number of listings coming on this is very short term in the long-term approach we don't have nearly enough uh, properties being built and the government seems to still constrain the builders from being able to develop at a quicker rate. Absolutely. And here we have to discuss uh, low-rise versus high-rise. Uh, clearly, the low-rise market is undersupplied, and it will become even worse. Uh, you see, if you look at the market as a well, whole, we have basically three segments to the market. We have a new low-rise developments, which are very, you can count them you know, <laughs> on your fingers. It's very, very small number. Simply, there is no supply. And as you suggested, the government is making it even worse by making the Places to Grow Act more uh, restrictive. So that's one aspect. Then you have the existing pool of uh, real estate, namely all those existing uh, houses, uh, detached houses. Those were the real winners of the past decade, 15 years. Their prices went up. This market is very, very stable, very inelastic. It's not really moving anywhere anytime soon. That's stable, that's static. And then you have the condo market that is trying to compensate for the lack of supply in the new low-rise market. And the condo market uh, had a very bad year in 2017 uh, and, uh, because the uh, completion was very, very low. And now it's starting to actually recover, and we're starting to see overshooting in the, in the condo market. We are seeing roughly uh, 36,000 sales uh, in one year. That's very significant. So uh, this market probably will slow down a little bit um, in the next year because we're overshooting a little bit. But you must have the condo market to replace the low-rise market. So, again, we will have some noise over the next year or two, but the big picture is that um, we simply live in a place that is becoming less and less affordable. Yeah. Um, folks, if you're just tuning in, I have Mr. Benjamin Tall joining me, and he is the Deputy Chief Economist at CIBC. And Mr. Tall, um, one of the things, of course, this past week, the Bank of Canada decided to stay pat on the rate. And, you know, they've been they've been saying that, you know, they're just, they're taking a very, uh, you know, careful approach. In 2018, should we, you know, be realistically looking at several increases in the bank rate? The short answer is yes, but I think it's probably less than what the market is expecting. We see the Bank of Canada raising interest rates maybe twice. Uh, we have to remember that there are a lot of things that will prevent them from uh, going to the sky. One is the economy itself is slowing down. You know, the days of uh, economic growth at 4.5%, those days are over. It was in the second half of 2017. For 2018, we are seeing roughly 2% GDP growth if we are lucky. So that's not a very strong economy. Second, the dollar is still at about 78, 79 cents. The Bank of Canada is a bank with an agenda. They would like to see the dollar lower, not higher. So they would like to try to go slower than the Federal Reserves in the U.S. Then you have NAFTA. 
Nafta is a big story, and I think that uh, the market is uh, in la-la land when it comes to Nafta. I think that Nafta is a major issue, and yes, we can discuss until we are blue in the face that it will be negative for the U.S. as well, but it's not about logic. Trump wants out, and he might go get out. So regardless what the solution is, I know that in the next six months, it will be a major issue impacting markets, and I think that that will be negative. And the Bank of Canada is already telling us that this uncertainty is playing a role in their decision-making process. And then we have the sensitivity to higher interest rates. You know, we know that uh, as a society, we are much more sensitive to the risk of higher interest rates than in any other time in recent history. So what I'm telling you here is that the disease is also the cure, namely the increased sensitivity to higher rates will prevent rates from rising to the sky. All those forces suggest that, yes, the Bank of Canada will move, but I think they will move very, very slowly. Now, one of the things that just came out also is there's a report that said that 47% of all mortgages are set to renew in 2018. Now, I, I found that interesting because, you know, in a lot of cases, we were, we were looking at people that were taking five-year terms, so that wouldn't make sense. So obviously, a lot of people are floating variable rate mortgages, short-term mortgages, one year, two year, that kind of thing, if we're going to have so many renew. Is this going to create a credit problem because we've had some increased rates? Uh, first of all, you're right. It's about 40 to 50 percent. Uh, remember, every year, 20 percent of those taking five years are renewing as well. So you're adding that to the variable rate, to the one and two years rates, and then you get roughly 50 percent of the market uh, uh, sensitive to higher rates. Absolutely. But then many of them have uh, some options. You know, if you look at people who have been in the market for a while, not newcomers, but uh, not new uh, uh, home buyers, but rather you know, people who have been in the market for a while in their late 30s, uh, early 40s, those people have been using, uh, taking advantage of low interest rates to accelerate their payments. Therefore, their de facto amortization went down dramatically. This means that if they face a situation in which rates are rising, they always have the, the, the option to uh, increase uh, amortization. And I think that will happen. So the yeah. impact is not so significant. Right. I've always said this, that uh, when people do take five-year mortgages, that they have to keep in mind that 15% of the mortgage will reduce within that time period. So upon renewal, if they then uh, stay to a 25-year amortization, they're actually going to be re renewing at a lower amount, which will then actually, they can actually work with a higher interest rate. And it's more than that. They actually have been accelerating payments. Uh, the rate at which people are prepaying is at a record high. So many Canadians deserve credit for not taking credit, yeah? <laughs> you know, I think you're the first person that's actually, I've heard say that, that actually give them credit for not taking credit. <laughs> um, so, Mr. Tall, just uh, just on a quick note, um, 2018, uh, if you had your crystal ball out, uh, market, should people be coming back into the real estate market? Is it still a vibrant market to buy in? Uh, I think that the next year or two will be a bit uh, challenging. If you want to, to make quick money on real estate, uh, then I will not do that because I think that the market will be challenged. If you think uh, at, uh, for it, you know, a place to live, absolutely, and you can afford it, why not? Uh, clearly, location will be extremely important. Anything by the subway, especially, you know, the condo market, anything by transportation will uh, go. Uh, it's only those if we, you know, if we, uh, uh, projects that in the past uh, went uh, with no problem. This time, they might face some difficulties simply because of the fact that people are more picky. If your time horizon is 10, 15 years, I say if you think that this place is unaffordable now, 
just wait. <laughs> well, Mr. Tall, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. And I want to wish you and your family all the best uh, for the new year. And definitely we'll, we'll have to chat in the new year. You too. All the best. You know, it's amazing how fast an hour goes by. And uh, I just want to thank my guest, Mr. Benjamin Tall. He is always a pleasure to have on. Great to, to uh, have a chat with Melanie Pichet and uh, you know, find out a little bit more about this latest ruling for Treb. And a great to have Dave Butler Always a fabulous source for mortgage information. Uh, I want to thank my uh, producer, as usual, Ian Grant. He always keeps it simple for me. And I want to thank you for tuning in. Um, Remember, I'm back next Saturday at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.